Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, hello. Like you said, I'm Lana Reed, and welcome back to this week's edition of Don't Box Me In. Today, I'm hanging out with the author of the book, The Quest for Marriage, Mr. Dan Farno. It is an offbeat, unorthodox, humorous, and no-holds-barred guide for guys going about a Christian relationship and getting married. Most often, you hear the women chatting it up about marriage, but marriage is on the mind of many men, and there are some very key benefits for a man when he does decide to get married. And some of those are, you know, you might see a man's income increasing, um, Studies show that married men have lower rates of cancer and are shown to live longer. So that right there should be enough motivation for a lot of you guys out there to try to find the right partner and settle down with. My guest today, Mr. Dan Farno, is here to share his story of dating and finding his wife. And I'm so glad to have him on the show with me today. Dan, welcome to Don't Box Me In. How are you doing today? Thank you, Lana. I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm well, I'm well. And how are things down there in uh, San Diego? Oh, wonderful as always. <laughs> always wonderful in San Diego. It's one of the beautiful cities in uh, California there. So uh, you've been down that way long? Uh, yes, I've been here for about 18 years now. Oh, okay. So you're a San, Di- San Diegan. San- How do you say that? People from San Diego. San Diegan, yes. San Diegan, okay. So uh, we're going to talk about this book and a lot of other stuff that you've uh, got going on today, but the book is called The Quest for Marriage, A Christian Man's Adventure in Finding a Wife and More. But uh, before we get started, I think it's kind of unique and important to the audience to know that you haven't always been a Christian. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. Uh, so was that always, so you were an atheist at one point. Was that um, like a lifelong thing that you'd been and something changed or how, how did that work out for you? Oh, well, what happened is I actually grew up in a non-Christian home. We didn't go to church, and there was never any religious talk. So I was always under the impression that there wasn't a God. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking more of that, but in reality I was more agnostic. But if I was asked, I probably would not have believed that there was a God. And my story is it happened in college. And, well, I guess I've always been a writer. Um, so I was writing in our school newspaper, the Daily Aztec. I went to San Diego State University, mm-hmm. and there was someone on campus that was preaching the Word of God in an offensive way, and was, of course, offending a lot of people. So I was sharing my two cents worth since I was an opinion columnist. And what happened was that there was a pastor on campus that challenged me to go talk to him one-on-one about this, and he was saying, hey, there's going to be no name-calling just you and me, and I'm not the type that will back down from what I say, (laughs) so, yeah, I mean, I believe in actually standing up for what I say and standing behind it, so that did go, and I thought it was just going to be some little wimpy guy, to be honest, and I'm a really tall, fit person, but then, lo and behold, this person talking to me actually used to be an ex-NFL player. Wow. That was huge. (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, the intimidation factor kind of went away. <laughs> it was pretty much him intimidating me. <laughs> so definitely had a heart of gold, though. Uh-huh. And so we had lots of debates. And I want to say it took about a year for them to show me that there was a God and to show me evidence of that. Mm-hmm. And what really got to me is, I mean, my life was an absolute mess. And what they were saying is that if I gave my life to God, that he would actually make my life a lot better, and I really had nothing to lose. So I decided that I would go for it, and at first it was not easy, but what really got to me is that I was getting somewhere and that I was different. And then I was always the type that I had lots of questions saying, okay, if there is a God, why is there such things as suffering going on? Um, how can this be true scientifically? So uh, I always took the time to really search out those answers. 
Okay. Okay. So I guess it's it's very important that you kind of ran into the right person at the right time, um, you know, because unfortunately there's a lot of people that uh, are out there trying to bring people into Christianity. And, you know, if you don't find the, uh, you know, what is the phrase, when the student is ready, the teacher is, will come. Uh, so if you don't mm-hmm. find the right teacher, you know, I think it's just very beneficial that you were able to find the right NFL football player to bring you in. <laughs> yes. Now, you mentioned that, you know, you had some things going on in your life that weren't really right at the time when this happened. Are you able to share what, what where your life was at at that time or no? Oh, sure. Um, well, I was at the point where I did struggle immensely with being depressed. I was um, feeling like I was going to commit suicide at some point in my life. I had come close a couple times in my life, and one of those times was, pretty recent, just before I was really challenged on faith, mm-hmm. and okay. I just struggled a lot with just feeling rejected and being an outcast from people. Okay, okay. So, timing is everything. But you say, even though you, you're meeting this ominous presence, you know, that's bringing you to the Lord, it still took a year for you to fully accept, um, you know, was it just you, you had to research or... Why did it take a whole year for you to be um, fully acceptant of uh, Christianity? Probably because I'm stubborn. (laughs) 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 At least he's honest. At least he's honest. Oh, I'm definitely known for my honesty and being very straight up with people. Um, Well, I mean, I heard their arguments, but to me it didn't really hold any weight. And I was getting to know um, this group. For about a year or so, I just um, debate things here and then, and I even went to some of their hangouts because, I mean, in reality, I didn't really have people to hang around with, and I had nothing better to do. Okay. And then it was just seeing the way they acted. Okay. Um, okay. really got to me because my history with being Christians before is I always consider them to be hypocrites. Okay. Okay. And, like, I know one guy um, was trying to preach it a lot, but I saw him living the same way that everyone else did. Okay, okay. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, for those, you know, struggling with their belief or, you know, even those outsiders looking in, uh, we do have, you know, some bad seeds in the bunch, you know, like you just mentioned, that are not really sure. living, not living the, the talk that they, not walking the talk. You know, so it kind of discourages some people. If you're on that line, that borderline, you know, like you were probably at that time, like, okay, yes or no, should I or not? I call it the double dutch. You know, am I going to jump in there or not? And if you don't have good examples and role models, you know, you can pretty much throw your hands up and say, you know, forget this. So was it was it like a defining moment? Do you recall that, you know, you said this is it? This is for me? I'd say it was more of a gradual process. There was a point where I was saying, okay, you know, I think I should become a Christian, but I think I was at the point where I was still hesitant on whether I wanted to give up things that were uh, not godly. But hopefully it was gradual, and then there was the day where, um, you know, the pastor was basically saying, are you ready to just give your life to Christ and just surrender it all to Him? Mm -hmm. And at that point I was just saying, Yes, I am. And I had basically been worn out as saying, okay, Christ, I surrender. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, was this the same pastor that you were introduced to when you were on college campus, or did you gravitate yeah. to another church? Okay, so the same guy. Now, um, did you date, uh, and I'm, I'm hoping you did, or I'm assuming that you did, did you date while you were an atheist? Oh, sure. Okay. So, um once you converted to Christianity, um, did you notice a vast amount of differences, or n- no? Uh, I would say so. Yeah. Um, I know what Christians believed in um, before I became a Christian was, of course, to be absent until marriage. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, to put it bluntly, I did not practice that when I was a Christian. <laughs> okay. Yeah, like you said, you're really... honest. Like you said, you're honest. Exactly. Okay. Um, it was about seven years or so before I ended up um, building a relationship with someone by Christian standards or as a Christian. Okay. And yes, definitely saw differences. Okay. And I even write about it in my book. 
that even that first relationship actually did not turn out well. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, we're gonna we're gonna get yeah. into that because um, I I was kind of picking up blurbs of that in the book. I think you. Oh, gotcha. We um I think if I I read correctly, you kind of named her Jessica or something like. Is that the Jessa. first relationship? Jessica. Okay, we'll, we'll kind of. Yeah, it's not her real name. Yeah, I, I was assuming so when I was reading. I said, well, this is probably, you know, to protect the innocent. We're not going to name real names. But the story was kind of, you know, interesting. And, you know, I do want to bring up the fact that um, you know, even though we're talking about Christian dating and Christian marriage, some of the stuff that you bring up is so, you know, unique and, and timely for uh, anybody struggling with dating in today's world, you know, and how you um, – some of the situations around this, Jess, that we'll talk about later, I think a lot of people, you know, go through. So I think it's helpful for everybody, um, your story and, and what you're putting oh, out there you. and your message. Yeah, I think it's awesome. So um, you said – so it took you a year, and I just heard you say it was seven years, I guess, before you, you had a relationship established. So after Correct. you became a Christian, you fully accepted um, uh, Christianity. Did you um, – Say that you, I guess what I'm trying to say, when was it that becoming, getting in a relationship and, and becoming married start to be one of the thoughts in your mind? I'm sorry, can you ask that again, please? I couldn't hear you. Oh, no problem. When was it soon after you accepted Christ? How soon after did you start saying, you know what, Dan, you probably need to try to find the one? When did you start thinking about marriage? Probably six to seven years after I became a Christian, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, the reason is, as I mentioned before, my life was a wreck, and okay. I felt that there was a lot that I needed to work on, and I really felt that I needed to work on myself. Okay. And, I, and then the ministry I was actually a part of at the time, they were more on the legalistic side, and it's not something that really appealed to me. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like there was people just going through a lot of scoops, and there was just um, an environment where everybody knew everybody, and I wasn't comfortable necessarily everybody knowing my business if I was trying to pursue a relationship. So I more did not want to play that game, and uh-huh. in a way, I think I was chicken also. <laughs> and at the same time, there wasn't really any of the women in church I was very interested in marrying. Okay, okay. You know, and that's yeah, that's fair. Uh, that's yeah. fair of you to say. You know, I'm not in a place where I'm ready to think about you know a relationship. You know, let me get me together before I bring somebody into my world. Um, you know, that, that's yeah. so. That, that that's awesome. So were you, were you, um, how involved were you in the church when all of this six year period when you were getting yourself together? Were you just going to church on Sunday or were you actively, you know, I know now that you are um, running groups at church, but were you doing yeah. other things within the church, serving other capacities? Well, in the ministry I was a part of, yes, I was serving in the church. I was mainly working on the setup crew and then I also played in the praise and worship band. Okay. And I lived at with a group of other guys from the church, and um, we were known as the Discipleship House, where basically we were all in each other's business, and we all constantly <laughs> challenged each other, and I basically call it a school of hard knocks. Okay, okay. Guys hanging with guys and trying to... Okay, I can see that now. All right, Dan. I mean, it's well, interesting. Of course, we all had our imperfections, and we all had our junk that... We had to deal with with each other, but I think we all grew from it too. Good stuff. I like that. Okay, Dan, we're gonna because um, I got a whole bunch of questions that just came to mind, but we're gonna take a quick commercial break, and I'll, I'll get to them when we come back. Stay with me, Dan. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Welcome back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Today I am hanging out with Mr. Dan Farno. He is the author of the book, The Quest for Marriage, A Christian Man's Adventure in Finding a Wife and More. And uh, we were talking about the, the uh, six years he was kind of just floating around or not really thinking about marriage and hanging out with the guys. And you had mentioned that, you know, you really weren't too uh Dating somebody from church wasn't really too appealing to you at that particular time because, you know, everybody is uh, 
would be all in your business and stuff like that. And that's understandable. That's, I think, any like dating and work or any kind of clustered group like that, we have these situations. But when you did start to think about, you know, dating and finding somebody, what what options did you explore then if we didn't want to date somebody uh, from your church or in that environment? Well, actually, I decided to just play around, really, and I went on a Christian dating website to just see what was out there. I was really just doing it more for fun, and I figured, hey, if I had relationship questions, I could go and talk to people online who do not know me, because mm-hmm. I was afraid that if I talked to someone within the church that it would come back to me or that work would spread really fast. Mm-hmm. So I decided... Like I said, I just talk with people I don't know, and then uh, if I do make a fool out of myself, <laughs> at least it stays there. <laughs> it stays and, on the Internet. Yeah, I know, really. <laughs> <laughs> internet is the quickest way to spread some stuff, but Dan thought it was going to stay there. Okay. <laughs> well, at least I was considered anonymous. <laughs> uh, okay, okay. Now, you mentioned that you had some relationship questions, you know, that ties into the whole Christianity thing. What what were you kind of tossed around at that time? Uh, yeah. Well, keep in mind, too, so the uh, listeners understand, I was not always very great at social skills or even going up to approach someone to talk to them can be uh, mortifying for me. Uh, so, yeah, I was definitely an introverted person, and I think everyone else in my ministry was extroverted, so I always felt like the odd one out. Okay, okay. Um, so when I read some Christian relationship books and when I saw um, my church of standards, it seems like it was just only standards. Of uh, this is the way you go about it. This is the way. So it's more. This is the way you do not go about it because there were lots of um, rules put in place. So, I mean, and keep in mind, I do want to speak very respectfully of my former ministry. Okay. Uh, they had many great qualities. Okay. Um, but there were some qualities that were not good, and one of them was in relationships. They had um, rules put in place such as a single man cannot spend time alone with a single woman. Mm. Uh, I was just extremely strongly discouraged. So it pretty much implied that it is not okay to do. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like in that environment, it was really hard to even go about a relationship because you had to ask the pastor, and if you never spend time alone with the person you're interested in, it's really taking a stab in the dark mm-hmm. and really putting yourself out there. And then even when reading uh, Christian relationship books, I was always talking about, okay, here are the ideal standards. This is how to go about it. And it's always by a pastor or therapist, it seemed like to me. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like that the, it's all just a perfect process. But I never really saw much where they shared their own stories. I mean, it happened here and there, but it was a rarity. Okay. And the way I was looking at it is I wanted to learn, okay, what do we do? How do we go about a relationship? And, okay, I get the absence until marriage, but what should we do in a relationship to see if this is going to work? Okay. Okay. And then at the same time, I wanted to, of course, share my own story, and I really wanted to show people that, are you going to get it all perfectly right? No. And in reality, <laughs> nobody does. Mm-hmm. So I even share my own um, failures, even stupid things I did. And I hope it's entertaining for people, of course. <laughs> but at the same time, the show is like, okay, did I do a good job? I'd like to think so, but I mean, in reality, it's two imperfect people trying to get the hang of a relationship, and of course, you're not going to get it all right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and, and when you go hard. into that saying, you know, look, I'm going to give it my best effort. I'm not promising you that I'm going to do this whole thing right, but I'm going to try to give it my best effort, and, and we're going to go from there. Um, I think that's very key in developing relationships. Now, you know, and, and you know, you're adding to the mix this whole I'm trying to find my way you know, and live right as a Christian and, and develop a relationship, not, not even develop a relationship, but find somebody to even consider having a relationship. Even that in itself is, is kind of tricky negotiating when you combine with Christianity because, you know, like I said, with your former yeah. ministry, yeah, with your former ministry is like, okay, well, I can't spend time with you, but how am I going to get to know what your favorite color is? You know, exactly. do I even like the way you, scrape the fork against the plate you know you have to you have to spend time with somebody so there's some facets of christianity i guess that are not really 
practical for developing a, a long-term relationship. Um, now, is that one of the reasons why you left that ministry, or is it, are there other things or other things you didn't like that um, made you walk away from it? Was it that you were in a point? Uh, go ahead. Okay. Well, actually, I was a part of that ministry when I did get married. Okay. Um, it was, she was, my wife was actually a part of our ministry, just part of a different church. Okay. And it was actually mutual friends that introduced us. And also, just to clarify, even just spending time alone with the opposite sex, when looking at Scripture, that's actually not a sin. There's mm-hmm. nothing saying you cannot spend time alone with the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. I would just advise people to use judgment if I say, hey, this spending an afternoon at Starbucks with somebody in public, there's perfectly nothing wrong with that. But if you're just spending time in the bedroom alone late at night, just talking, that doesn't sound like good judgment. <laughs> okay, understood. So I just want to clarify, okay, this is what is sin, this is what is not sin. Okay. And okay. You know, I think the ideals of the former ministry is they just wanted everyone to be able to build relationships safely. Um, so they were adding a lot of rules in order to do that. But in reality, I think it really just prevented a lot of relationships from happening that could have happened. Okay. They could have been great relationships and also... Um, not helping people um, learn. Cause, and then also it seemed like there was a standard that once relationships started, that it should go to marriage and that it uh. should be perfect. And it seemed like um, the times that it did not, either one or both of the people ended up leaving the church, which is also uh. something I did not want to be a part of. Oh, okay. Just out of curiosity, what denomination was this? It's non-denominational, actually. Oh, it's non-denominational, okay. What actually did happen with that ministry is the church did end up dissolving. Okay. Um, I do want to respect the senior pastor, but there were some things that the senior pastor was involved in that wasn't being opened up to people, and so it caused um, that struggle to grow. Um, mm-hmm. Just even just with the way he was living, with even just listening to people, and even how he handled finances, that mm-hmm. ended up becoming something that um, came to limelight at the point where it was out of control. And that was the point where the ministry ended up dissolving. Unlike I could see just from his background how he could develop those habits, and I still want to treat him with utmost respect. Okay. Okay. But unfortunately, I just, I only is in a way where we can learn from it. Gotcha. Okay. I like that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to make sure we go back to... um, the part where you are starting to date and you're exploring your online options because I want to make sure I get uh, some of your humorous and maybe painful um, experiences (laughs) out there. Uh, But how did you, was it when you were online that you came across Jessa? Yes. Okay, so can you share with me how you met Jessa? Or that that Um, didn't count? Sure, it was through chatting online. Okay. And then... Um, I would spend a lot of time with her on the phone. We'd be talking for a couple hours a day, and I thought it was just so amazing that someone was interested in talking for me, worked uh-huh. for me for so long. So I was really falling in love with this person, and um, she was also falling in love as well. And at the same time, I was really just going by the seat of my pants, just thinking, oh, okay, I'll just figure this out as I go. <laughs> And it seemed like we were just um, talking till late in the night, and we were sharing a lot of personal things that maybe shouldn't have been shared at that point, but we weren't really talking about some things that would be really important to know about each other if we were really going to consider getting married. Mm-hmm. And um, what happened is as soon as, or how do I explain this? Well, as soon as testing times came, or where there was a disagreement, I did learn the hard way that she was not good at actually discussing it okay. and talking about, okay, how are we going to work this out? And it seemed like the communication was not there. And after, and then it seemed like she wanted to avoid it so much that she was even not being honest with me. Mm-hmm. And that's something that really burnt me, actually. Okay. Did you talk online long before you actually met her in person? Well, we were talking more on the phone. 
we okay. were chatting a little bit online and exchanged phone numbers. I want to say it was a few weeks before we actually met in person. Okay. Okay. Now there is um, there's another story I read, and maybe I that you were online and you found somebody, but the person that you were talking to online did not end up being the person physically that you met in person. Was that a different female? That was the same person, actually. Oh, same person. Okay. So um, how long did it last with you and Jessa after, I guess, you started to have disagreements? Did that relationship last long at all? No, it lasted maybe a month. Okay. Now, was she a Christian as well? Okay, okay. So she was coming, we were think we would think she would coming from the same angle as you were as far as relationships and what you expected and what the goal, the end goal was. So I'm assuming Correct. that she, she had marriage on her mind too as well? Yes. Okay, okay. So after you have this experience, this didn't work out for a month, you know, you said forget online dating or you went back again? Actually, I was thinking forget relationships, period. <laughs> He's like, forget I'm thinking, this. I'm thinking if this is the way it's going to be, I don't want to play this game. I'm fine being alone. I'm used to being uh, on my own. Oh, goodness. No, don't give up. Don't give up. Dan, it's time for a quick commercial break, but hold on. We're going to be right back. Don't give up on me. Stay tuned. Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host, Lana Reed. Hello, 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 and welcome back. Today I'm hanging out with the author of the book, The Quest for Marriage, A Christian Man's Adventure in Finding a Wife, and more, Mr. Dan Farno. And um, we were talking about his uh, uh, <laughs> unhappy experience with online dating, let me say that, with Jessup. Now, and you were at the point where you're like, forget this, I'm done, I'm just going to go back to being me, that was cool, where I was at. Uh, how long after Jessa did you um, encounter your wife-to-be? It was about two years. Oh, During okay. the time, I, as far as I was and how much I did want to point the finger at Jessa for everything that went wrong, I still needed to take the time to say, okay, what did I do? Or how could I have prevented things? What were my expectations? So that's where I started reading more. And even uh, there was a great book I was reading called Choosing God's Best. And I didn't agree with everything the author was saying, but the thing that really got to me was that the family got involved. And I even looked more at arranged marriages to see. I even wrote about it in my book about mm-hmm. How do those relationships work out? Because they seem to be a lot more successful than dating in America. Mm-hmm. So, so you were willing to explore uh, an arranged marriage? Not necessarily an arranged marriage. I just want to see, okay, how did that work? Okay. And even in biblical times, um, there was more of that kind of marriage. So. I just thought it was worth exploring and saying, okay, what are the strengths? Okay. And what could I learn from this to help in my own relationships? So I think that really convinced me is that the family should be involved at the very beginning. And then also we should be a little more cautious what we talk about at the beginning, too. And okay. then even limiting our time that we talk to each other so it's not to the point where we're sharing so many personal things with each other. So, now, when um, you say, um, just hold on one sec, when you say personal things, are you meaning um, things that could get us into some gray areas as a Christian, or or what, what kind of personal? So, or, oh, maybe things in the past, or oh, even okay. like abuse we went through, or something really sensitive such as that, but something okay. that you'd only want your very close friends or a spouse to know. Okay. Okay, so until we see what direction this relationship is really going, we shouldn't just put everything on the table because we not we might not know if this person is who we're going to walk away with. In my opinion, yeah. Okay, all right. Okay, I'm on the same page. So, and and you said uh, you should you think that we should bring the family, possible parents and stuff in early in the relationship. Um, 
and you know, it brings to something my, my late husband used to always tell me. He said, you know, before I would even think about marrying a woman, I have to see what her mom's going to look like because I need to know what she's going to look like when she gets older. So it's kind of the same thing <laughs> on a humorous tale. You want to see, you want to, you want to see the background of the person that you're possibly bringing into your uh, life and, and that is their family. Um, so when you met your wife to be, you mentioned earlier that it was in church or you guys were somewhere connected through the church. Um, was it a, an instant, you said a, a friend connected you guys. Is that, did I get that right? Um, yes. Because I was okay. living in San Diego and my spouse C was living in LA at the time. Okay. So, um, my friend really encouraged me to call her thinking that her and I could be really compatible and, I explained sort of that I still was feeling burned from that past relationship, and I decided that, you know, I would at least call as a favor to my friend. I was reluctant, but I did call. Mm-hmm. And then and, that's when I met Margaret. Okay. So when you and, first called Margaret, was it a an instant hit, or? Honestly, I thought I completely blew it. I didn't think she'd ever call <laughs> <laughs> She just got off the phone like, oh, I messed that all up. No, my gosh. Well, I acted too much like myself because what oh, happened dude. is, well, she was a nurse at the time, and I used to take care of a few children in the facility, so we ended up sharing a lot of the fun bodily function things we've had to clean up. Oh, no, Dan, no. That is not cute for the first call. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, why did I do that? I acted too much like myself. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. Okay, but she stuck in there. Okay, something about that click for her, though, right? So what what happened after the first call? Well, I did kind of explain that I did still have feel burned, and I was kind of hesitant to start a relationship again. But So I was explaining that I didn't want to talk every single day, and I was thinking, Maybe once a week. Keep in mind, I was in a legalistic mindset, thinking, okay, got to go by standard A, B, and C to make sure I'm doing everything perfectly right. Um. Uh, I was broken of that pretty quickly, though. Uh-huh. My wife's like, um, no, I'm not having that. So oh, we popped my son once every other day. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it was a miracle that she wanted to talk to me again, I thought. <laughs> I thought I blew that one, but here she is. She's going to give me another try. And I also want to mention, uh, you know, not only did you go from atheist to Christianity and, okay, I'm taking six, seven years to think about this whole marriage thing, and when you do find the one, you also just let me hit a home run and you go for the interracial relationship thing too as well, right? So you're just adding everything to the mix here. Oh, yes. (laughs) Well, um, would it work if I said I just thought my wife was in the sun too much as a child? Awesome, awesome, awesome. <laughs> we have plenty of interracial jokes. Okay, okay, cool. I just, you just threw it in there all. So, you, she's in LA, you're in San Diego, you have the bodily function conversation. She says, you know what, Dan, I'm going to give you one more try. You know, we're talking every other day. Um, how, how soon, because you mentioned meeting other people's family is important, how soon before you met her parents? Wait, Lana, why are you blaming me for this? He was very involved in the conversation, too. No, 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 Dan. I think that's all your fault. I'm a woman. I'm going to stick with the women. <laughs> yeah, what else is new? There you go. You know the drill already. We ladies stick um, together. Well, he, well, still liked me and still wanted to talk to me. We were actually on the talking on the phone for about three weeks before we actually met in person. Okay. And what I did is, I really reflected on the past relationship and what didn't go well. And another thing I realized is that there was really no question to really get to know who we really were and, you know, even what our character was. So I actually did ask a lot of um, open-ended questions that would really require thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I wrote it in the book, and but I want to share it all so people will actually buy the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, one of the questions is, Okay, besides that we're both single, is there a reason why you feel that I'm someone who could potentially be a spouse? Mm-hmm. And then even the question, okay, what do you feel you bring to the relationship? Awesome, awesome. Because I always saw people popular saying, I expect A, B, and C for someone. But a big part of 
being a spouse is to be a blessing to your spouse. True. And it's like, what are you going to do to give into the relationship? Because to me, that's just as important, if not more important. True. Very true. So yeah. she must have answered all your open-ended questions correctly because you guys are married today, right? Yes, and for the record, I was happy to answer all those questions as well. <laughs> How long did you guys uh, date before you proposed? Let's see, about, I want to say five months. Oh, well, it was short. That wasn't, okay. And yes, after proposal to marriage? Know, oh, and, oh, to also answer your question, we got to know each other's families um, near the beginning, actually. It was actually oh. the very first weekend my wife came down to San Diego, and I decided that this would be the time to introduce her to my dad and stepmother. Mm-hmm. And they're not Christians, and we didn't really talk about personal things. So okay. I figured, okay, well, it'd be good to you know, allow them to be a part of this. And I had no idea how they were going to, uh, what they were going to think about Margaret, especially with her, well, being black uh-huh. and being white, because we had never discussed interracial marriages or anything like that. Okay. Um, another funny part in the book is, and I had called them, I said, okay, I'm going to be stopping by, there's going to be a woman with me, and they're saying, okay. And I explained, okay, well, just, you know, we're um, negotiating a possible merger. <laughs> a merger. Such a businessman, such a people. lawyer there. <laughs> yeah, well, they're big business people, actually. Okay. So then okay. they're saying, oh. Mm. And then I mentioned that there was something they should know about Margaret. I mean, I wanted to warn them about mm-hmm. her race so they wouldn't have a heart attack when she walked in. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know how they'd respond. <laughs> yeah. I guess well, it's not a co- uh, topic that's come up in the family, so, you know, you're not really sure which way to go with it. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm okay. just like, well, she's not white. So then they asked her, she was like, and I said yes, and they said that they were open to it. And uh, needless to say, they absolutely love my wife. I mean, my family, all of them love my wife. She's awesome. very wonderful, which is why I wanted to keep her. Okay. Well, so so now that we know that you have bad conversation starters, we know you have good-picking women at least, though, you know. Yes. Since all the family like her. Okay, cool. So I must you be doing took... something right for her to marry me. <laughs> and she's... How long have you guys been married now? Let's see. Almost six years. Okay, so yeah, you must be doing something right. She She still keeps you, so. Yep, she keeps me around. Okay, awesome. Now, how long, you said it was five months before you proposed. Now, how long after you proposed did you guys get married? I'd say about four months. Oh, so all of this happened within a year? Yes. You guys are just quick, fast, and in a hurry. Well, here's the way I see it. I know it's much shorter than um, what people in the U.S. typically do because I see cases where people propose and then they'll wait over a year before they get married. Mm Mm-hmm. At the same time, Margaret and I did not believe in living with each other until we were married. And then we, of course, believed in abstinence until marriage. And something big I did learn is when involving the family and just even building, it's not to just see, okay, how's the family going to be? It's just more building a relationship with the family because the way the family looks at it is they can see the potential spouse for who they are when their son or daughter may not because they may just be looking in tunnel vision. So they can say, all right, this is what we noticed in this person. We think they, and what um, Margaret's family was saying to her is that I definitely had a lot of potential for growth, and I'm really good at accepting correction, so I can grow to become a great husband, mm-hmm. is what they noticed about me. And then even this building relationship with my wife's father and mother, actually, I would even hang out with them on my own. Mm-hmm. I learned it really pays off in a marriage because mm-hmm. I actually have great relationships with them and my wife got to know my stepmother and they even have their own relationship as well. And awesome. then when there are things that come up in marriage, then at least you know, the in-laws, they know, or the parents, they know both people, so they're actually um, a lot more willing to actually help instead of saying, oh, yeah, I never liked that knucklehead, get rid of him or get rid of him. <laughs> 
You know, I think people miss that uh, sometimes, that marriage really is a merging, a blending of two families. And, you know, there's there's a lot of negotiation that has to go on, you know, a whole bunch of different personalities. And, you know, like I said, you have a, you said you have some eyes there that, you know, can maybe see things that you can't see. And, you know, it is a wonderful sure. tool to kind of, you know, within reason, you know, to incorporate, yeah, you know, family, you know, into your your dating life and, and um and, and love life and stuff like that. So I think that's a good tool right there. Um, it is time for the last commercial break. When we come back, I want to talk about, um, I think you had mentioned that you had some sacrifices that you had to make to win the heart of Margaret and, uh, talk a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. We'll talk a little bit more about the books, but so stay with me. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, 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 and welcome back. Don't box in. Today I am spending some time with Mr. Dan Farno. He is the author of the book, The Quest for Marriage, A Christian Man's Adventure in Finding a Wife and More. And we were at the point where he has found his wife to be Miss Margaret, and he was going to share with us um, what kind of sacrifices he had to make to win the heart of his wife here. Uh, you know, we know he, he failed at the uh, opening conversation, but hopefully he picked up the ball and scored a <laughs> touchdown somewhere along the way here. So what kind of sacrifices did you have to make to win Margaret over? Well, before I answer that, I did want to mention something else that I think really helped us get married quick is um, that we did practice abstinence because something okay. I really did learn is that throughout the relationship, especially when there's disagreement, we can't resort to anything physical. We actually have to deal with it, and we actually have to learn to communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. And that's the big part that's going to help you through your marriage. True. That's how you really communicate and settle differences. True, true. I think a lot of people, um, you know, that sex kind of distorts some things. So, you know, if you learn f- oh, yeah. first and foremost how to talk to each other, how to communicate, um, that's a large part of the battle there for uh, any type of relationships, be it, you know, teacher, your boss at work, or communication is so important, but very, very vital when it comes to marriage. You have to, you're living with this person day after day, and, you know, th- that alone is, is, is difficult sometimes, it's, but uh, communication is very, very important. Mm-hmm. So, so how did you uh, win uh, Miss Margaret over there? Let's see, sacrifices I had to make. I think the first sacrifice I really had to make was just the way I dressed, because I always liked to wear blue <laughs> jeans and black t-shirts. Yeah, blue jeans and black t-shirts. Yeah, so I'd always wear t-shirts with something like Darth Vader on it, or a superhero. <laughs> Margaret like said, no, and no, no. Basically. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't realize that she's actually really big into fashion. She always loved the show, uh-huh. not or what not to wear. And she oh. thought I would have been perfect. <laughs> My I husband needs a makeover. <laughs> yeah, and it was actually that first week when we went dating that I actually had some gift cards to Macy's. So I'm like, oh, hey, we can go shopping together. Women like to shop. <laughs> and I was instantly looking at a Black Rod Vader t-shirt, and she was already saying, um, no. <laughs> She's like, you already have a two of those. <laughs> So she actually made me get, like, a light blue collar shirt. Well, okay, she suggested, and I said yes, because I did want to impress her. Mm-hmm. And then people I know were all saying, oh, Margaret, thank you for getting Dan out of that morbid <laughs> clothing. Like, right in front of me, I'm like, hey. Hey, I'm here over here. Hey, hey. Exactly. <laughs> Too cute. So she changed your style of dress. How else did uh, she uh, modify Mr. Dan? Well, even with the way I would talk, I would say a lot of things sometimes that were not so positive. I didn't really think about it, and she Mm -hmm. was saying, hey, that bothers me. Mm -hmm. And in a nice way, told me I needed to stop doing that. Mm -hmm. So... The way I look at it is I was really just changing myself to become, quote-unquote, merging material or marriage material. Okay. And some things that I did when I was single, I would I accepted that it would not be okay to do a marriage.
because I used to go out with female coworkers all the time for lunch. Oh, okay. To me, Can't do I that. don't have a problem with it. Well, personally, I don't have a problem with it. You know, if our relationship is professional and stays professional, mm-hmm. I mean, I've never even thought about um, making a pass at any of my female coworkers. I mean, I don't even want to, but I realized that Margo was not comfortable with that. So mm-hmm. that's something that I just said, okay, well, I'll give it up. And I think there was a time before where I was going hiking with a group of people, and then it came to the point where it was just going to be me and one other woman, and I basically explained that I wouldn't be able to do that, and it's not personal, but I wouldn't mm-hmm. spend extended time with the opposite sex with someone who's not family or my wife. Okay. You have to pick your battles in relationships. So, you know, you you have the end goal in mind, and you have to weigh, you know, is this, this an issue I want to take up with, or is my marriage more important? And hopefully a lot of times people will say oh, my marriage is, is more important, and, you know, I'll have to let this this go, you know, so... Um, those oh, are kinds of yeah. Those are kind of decisions that we make as we're, we're developing and forming our relationship. And you know, lucky for you, you had a woman who was able to express, "I don't like this." I don't. Because sometimes, you know, we, you know, me, we as women, you know, we kind of pout. We don't really say what's wrong. We do this. Hey, what's wrong, dear? And we take nothing. Fine, we're fine. But there's actually a problem. So the good thing that was working in, on your behalf is Margaret was able to communicate with you. Um, I'm really uncomfortable with this, which which allowed you as her partner to make the necessary adjustments and fix things. So I think that's beautiful. Yep. Oh, he has no problem speaking to mine. <laughs> Say now. Oh, we have no problem there with Margaret. <laughs> so you guys have been married for um, six years now. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was even cracking because I always felt that, well, from my experience, that um, people in the black community are generally the type that will speak their minds. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We we have no problem biting our tongue about things. Yes, indeed. So I was explaining to other white men that, hey, what's great about being married to a black woman is they age gracefully, number Mm, one. Yes. And number two is, you know, they're always going to speak their minds. The white women, they um, usually expect us to know what they're thinking, and us guys, we can be clueless. We don't. But uh, generally, <laughs> someone who's black will speak their mind, so it makes our job much easier as a husband. And yes, um, we're used to being just submissive, saying yes, dear. So just learn to do that. You'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you met your perfect match there, and you know that is a wonderful thing. Now, did Margaret uh, tell you? Said, "Hey, hubby of mine, you should write a book," or how did that come about? Well, I always played around with doing an autobiography, and then um, as soon as we got married, I decided to um, really just once again just play around with just writing some memoirs about mm-hmm. with my adventures. And then before I knew it, it was becoming much bigger than I thought, and I even showed some friends who thought it was really good. So, And then I decided, hey, I'm going to go, hey, absolutely no whole part. Mm-hmm. And I was going to do something that goes to my own beat. And I've always been known as someone who just goes to my own beat, not mm-hmm. necessarily everyone else's beat. And I can tell I, that. I, I can tell from our conversation. You'd kind of do yeah. Dan's thing. Yeah. And I was like, hey, I'm going to go where pastors won't go. Like, for example, um, I was explaining that many guys think that they're never going to have issues with looking at women the wrong way as soon as they're married, as soon as they have that wife. And. Um, I was just being really blunt and real about debunking it, and I said, okay, here's what married men have come to understand. Mm-hmm. And I explained first, you're going to see your wife all the time without makeup, and mm-hmm. she's not going to hesitate to have gas around you. <laughs> <laughs> the realities of marriage, yes, indeed. Yeah, and you're going to know all about her bodily function issues, including her monthly period and uh-huh. um, other bodily function issues. Yes, yes. And that, you know, her body's going to change when she's pregnant. And, you know, her, some body parts are going to start sagging sooner or later. She's going to start getting gray hairs. Uh-huh. And so it's like, I hope you get the picture. Yes. And it's... just really saying, okay, here's the realistic standards of what a wife is going to be like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not like a movie where you see a wife in just a sexy nightgown. Her hair looks amazing. It's, no, it's going to be warm PJs if you don't want to hear her complaining about being cold. And uh-huh. especially if you watch black, she's going to be wearing a hair wrap. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And no makeup. 
Yes, there you go. There you go. The realities of marriage, you know, it's not always that that picture-perfect girl that you were dating, you know, when you get into that day-after-day stuff, you know, when you're in it for the long haul, like you said, you know, uh, stuff just starts, um, you know, going different ways and doing different things, and that's when you have to say, you know what, I really I really love you. That's when love comes into play there. So yes, um, I, I have a... Chapter, I even wrote a chapter about or basically sex and reality, and just really debunking what it's like in the movies, saying, okay, well, here's what it's really like. If you really want to turn on your wife, learn to listen to her, help out around the house. <laughs> you figured it all out rather quickly there. You know, that's commendable, you know, that, uh, you know, but I'm pretty sure, you know, I'm going to give Margaret her kudos. She, she helped you along a lot there to uh, yeah. learn a few things. Now, before we get out of here, um, I have a mm-hmm. couple of, minutes here. How do people pick up the book? Let's see, most have been ordering it on Amazon. Um, people can go to Barnes & Noble and special order it. Okay. And um, those are the two um, main ways to get the book. And okay. there's plenty of reviews on Amazon, too, with reader's feedback. Okay. And um, I know we had discussed you don't have a book, but people can connect with you on Facebook, right? Did I, I get that yes, correct? Ma'am. Okay, yes, so the they'll just search. Does have a Facebook page. Okay, so just search for you, Dan Farno, F A R N O W. And one last question before I go. Um, I heard you talk about the pregnancy thing. Do we have some little Farnos running around? Not at this time. Okay, okay. All righty. So we're, we're going to, maybe Margaret will do that, convince you of that shortly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's chuck, he's well, chuckling like a. Uh, <laughs> He's chuckling like, uh, Lana, okay, I think the end of this uh, radio interview is over with now. It's been nice talking to you. Yeah, well, I'm glad everyone can, no one's seen that my face is bright red right now. Oh, <laughs> too cute, too cute. All righty, dear, we're at the end of our time together. I have truly enjoyed you. My guest today has been Mr. Dan Farno. Please pick up his book, like he said, on Amazon. And I appreciate you for hanging out with me today, Dan. That is all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There is always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I am your host, Lana Reed, and I'll see you all next week.